In this episode, Kate Perry, a chartered accountant and partner at RBP, is joined by one of our senior tax managers, Alan Cook. They're going to be discussing the types of tax relief in respect of cars that are available for those who are self-employed or own their own limited company. Accountancy on Prescription by RBP one of the leading firms of medical specialist accountants. We know what you find tough, but don't you worry, as we know our stuff. Hello, and welcome to this episode of RBP's Accountancy on Prescription. I'm Kate Perry, a partner in RBP, and I'm joined by Alan Cook, a senior tax manager. Hello, Alan. Hi, Kate. Right, today we're going to be discussing types of tax relief that's available to those who are either self-employed or own their own companies with regard to cars. So this is a question that we're very often asked, very often I'm asked when I want to buy a car, when should I buy it, should I buy it on HP, should I buy it outright, what tax relief do I get? So we're well aware of all the queries that our clients have regarding this. And Alan's going to let us know exactly what tax reliefs are available. So, Alan, what sort of expenses are people able to claim for their cars? Okay, so as you say, Kay, we get asked this question on a number of occasions. So the types of expenses that are allowable for tax purposes generally fall into two categories. Those being the day-to-day running cost of the car and the acquisition of the car as well. So. Category one, the day-to-day running costs of the car. The things that I tend to find that are allowable for tax purposes are the fuel cost, either diesel or petrol, or indeed sometimes electric, the insurance costs, and the repairs and maintenance of a car. For those individuals that are self-employed, there will always be a form of private use adjustment. So we always insist that individuals have a private use adjustment within those cars. The reason behind this is purely because HM Revenue and Customs do like to look at these sorts of claims that are made by individuals, and therefore they would expect to see some form of private use adjustment. When I mean private use adjustment, these are to perhaps throw your children around to the local clubs or indeed to go to your local shop. So I would expect that there'd always be some form of private use adjustment for a private car. One other point that I tend to discuss with individuals when we're looking at the private use element of the car is the actual normal daily commute. So your normal workplace is not allowable for tax purposes either. So the journeys to your normal workplace, the normal commute is not allowable for tax purposes. So if you're going from home to surgery and that's your normal place of work, those aren't allowed for tax purposes and they are considered as private use. So Alan, a lot of times we get asked about this type of travel. And for instance, we do have some consultants as clients and they might do private work. So quite often they might go once a week to a particular private hospital to see their private patients. So there's that situation. And then there's also the situation where with a locum, so we've got perhaps a locum who's going every day to somewhere different, or we could have a locum, for instance, who's doing a six-month maternity locum. So what would you recommend in those circumstances? 
So for example, if an individual is traveling around one day a week to a certain area or a number of areas during the course of the locum roles, those are generally allowable for tax purposes. So home to that normal place of work, that wouldn't be classed as your normal daily commute. So therefore, if there's multiple sites that the individual travel to, then generally speaking, that's allowable for tax purposes. When we're looking at maybe perhaps a consultant going to one site per week, that may be considered as daily commute. But if they were to go to multiple sites over the course of the year, then those should be allowable for tax purposes. But I'm afraid it's not a one size fits all and everybody needs to take a look at their own personal circumstances. Okay. And the other question we also get asked for partners in practice is, what is the average? And I always say to them, well, the average is the average for you, because it may be, for instance, if you have family up in Scotland and you're in the habit of driving up to Scotland every couple of months in your personal car, then obviously that is going to skew your personal use. So I think everyone really needs to take account of their own personal use because there really is no average cost for this. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think, as I said before, it's not a one-size-fits-all for everybody, and it's down to personal circumstances. So, for example, if you do live close to the surgery and you're only using your car, say, for example, if you just walk to the surgery and you're only using your car to go out and see patients or to go and do perhaps meetings outside of your normal practice, then the percentage is likely to be higher. But I think that it's for each individual to take a look at their own personal circumstances. Okay. So how about the actual cost of buying a car? How does that work for tax purposes? Okay. So there are generally two ways to acquire a car. This is either an outright purchase, a purchase via HP or PCP, or the actual leasing of the car. And there's two distinct differences between the tax relief for how you purchase the actual car or how do you acquire the car. So, for example, if you purchase the car outright or purchase it on a PCP or HP, you're entitled to claim capital allowances on that car. And capital allowances is a deduction against your assessable profit in the year, subject to, of course, any private use that you may have. Now, the capital allowance is based on the CO2 emissions of that car, and the actual claim available is dependent on the list price and the CO2 emissions of that car. The second option to acquire a car is via a lease. Now, in this option, you don't actually physically own the car, and therefore you're not allowed to claim capital allowances. But what you are able to claim is a deduction of the monthly costs against your profit, subject to any private use. Okay. So I think people have been reading the papers and they have heard that there can be 100% tax relief on some of these cars. So can you go through what the percentage claims might be for the cars and also perhaps explain what the situation is for those that get the 100% tax relief? Sure. So for cars with zero emissions, so those are generally electric cars, you're able to claim a capital allowance of 100% of the list price of that car. Now, there's two caveats to that. That car also needs to be new and unused. And so therefore, an individual subject to any private use is able to claim, if the car has zero emissions, tax relief of up to 100% of that car. 
Cars with CO2 emissions below 50 grams per kilometer can claim 18% per year on a reducing balance basis. So that means in year one, for example, for a car that would cost £50,000, an individual will be able to claim 18% of that cost in year one, and then for the following year, 18% on the reduced balance moving forward. Any cars that are over 51 grams per kilometre, the same applies, but instead of being able to claim 18%, you're able to claim 6% instead. Okay. And what's the situation when I come to sell my car in those particular circumstances you've, you've mentioned? Okay. So when you come to sell the car, and this is, this is quite, a, quite an important part, certainly for an electric car in any case. So in year one, we see that we're able to claim 100% writing down allowance. Now, when you come to sell that car, and this is a sting in the towel that a lot of people don't really talk about, and I think it's really important that individuals understand this. But if you come to sell that car, you've already claimed 100% relief in year one. When that car either goes back or you part exchange it or you sell that car, there's always a value attributed to that car. So therefore, as you've claimed 100% relief in one year, and effectively you're either getting that money back or it's goes back to the dealership with value, you have to write back the cost of that car. So for example, if the car originally cost £50,000 and we've claimed £50,000 in terms of 100% relief, if you come to sell that car for £20,000 at a later date or part exchange it, for example, that £20,000 comes back in as profit and you will be taxed on that as an individual. So the tax relief up front looks great because you're able to claim 100%, of course, subject to private use, which we, which we keep on talking about. But in the final year, you could have a tax charge based on the value of that car that goes back to the dealership or what you've sold. And the same goes for the other cars with the lower percentages. If you get any part exchange value or any value on yes. sale of that car, you again, that sort of comes back. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the real thing is it's not such a problem with cars where you're claiming 18% or 6%. It generally is an issue where you're looking at having a car 100% writing down allowance. So that's more for those. You have the same issues for those cars, but it's more poignant when you have a 100% relief that you've claimed. So I think often I do say to my clients, certainly unless you're buying a brand new electric car, because the percentages of the claim for the capital allowances on any other type of car, I tend to say, buy the car you would normally buy, buy the car you want to buy, and any tax benefit is really just a bonus because it's not going to be that significant. Because with the private use adjustment, with the low levels of capital allowances that you can claim, there is something to claim against your income but it's not particularly significant. So I would tend to say, don't look at the tax implications necessarily when you're looking at buying a car, unless you are looking at buying a brand new electric car. And I don't know, I don't know whether you know, Alan, but I don't know what the secondhand market is for secondhand electric vehicles at the moment, if there is a market at all. But I assume there will start to become a, a market for such vehicles. Yeah, I tend they won't gain the 100% allowance, will they? Absolutely. I tend to agree. You should really go for the car that you want to, unless you are really thinking about having a brand new and unused electric car. But there is a market for electric cars, and you'll be surprised what they actually hold their price. 
more so than you would normally get a diesel car or a petrol car, you'll tend to find that they hold their price better. And that's really probably because obviously they're, they're quite new. And of course, the, the fuel costs at the moment are quite quite high. So having an electric car is a lot cheaper to run than it is to, to run a diesel or petrol car. And certainly with the new rules that are coming in, maybe in 2030, about the purchase of new cars that are either petrol or diesel, I think we'll find over these next few years, electric cars will hold the price, which makes it more important to understand that you will get a tax charge at some stage if you come to sell that car or send that car back to the dealership or part exchange it, for example. So it's really quite important point. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the depreciation for an electric car is not as fast as, let's say, if you go out and buy a, a diesel car. Okay, so something that we haven't actually covered at the moment is what is the difference if I'm actually running a company and putting my car through the company? So I know quite a while ago, we used to say don't have a company car. But I think the ideas on that have have changed now that we've got these electric vehicles because of the tax charge on that is quite different now. Absolutely. So if you own your own company, historically, We've always advised individuals not to have cars through limited companies purely because the benefit and kind rates have been quite high for diesel and petrol cars. But as it stands at the moment, the benefit and kind rates for new electric cars are more favourable. So for the 22-23 tax year to the 23-24-25 tax year, the benefit and kind rates are only 2%. Equivalent diesel and petrol cars could be as high as 35%. So What that means is that the benefit in kind is based upon the list price of the car, and that is what you're taxed on. You need to imagine that that is a form of salary that you receive. So, for example, if the car has a list price of £100,000, the benefit in kind for the individual is only going to be £2,000 per year. That's the benefit in kind. And if an individual is a 40% taxpayer, their 40% tax liability on that car, for example, or on that benefit in kind would only be £800. If you had a car that was a diesel car that had a 35% benefit and kind charge, the equivalent would be £35,000 of benefit and kind. And of course, the tax would be quite higher there. So everybody at the moment, we are having more and more queries in respect of new and unused electric cars through limited companies because it makes sense as the benefit and kind rates are at 2% at the moment. Now, that 2% might change but that goes up to 24.25. Okay, thanks for that, Alan. I think that's probably mostly what we need to say. I think we ought to tell people, just in case people are wondering, that if you are merely an employee, unfortunately, I'm afraid you're unable to claim anything for your car in the way that we've just discussed. But Alan, what can an employee claim if they are using their car for work? So employees aren't allowed to claim for your daily commute to and from surgery or to and from your normal place of work. And that's normal, just like it is for individuals that are self-employed. But if individuals do travel for business purposes, so you do travel to either a patient or you do travel for a meeting outside, then it may be possible if the surgery do not give you reimbursement of those costs, you can claim 45 pence per mile in your own personal return. So if you're doing business miles that aren't reimbursed by your employer, 
then you are able to claim that for tax purposes. The slight variant on that is that the actual rates are at 45 pence per mile. If your employer, for example, only reimburses you 20 pence per mile, you are able to claim the difference between the two, 25 pence per mile on your individual tax return, but they will need to be placed on your individual tax returns to do that. And that's assuming that you actually complete your personal tax return. Correct. So, so most people probably don't. So in essence, we don't generally find that claim gets made. And that would be the same, of course, if you do own your own company, but you own your car personally and you haven't treated it as a company car. Correct. Okay. So I think we've said everything we can say about owning your own car and using it for work. I hope you all enjoyed and can take some useful information away from that. If you did enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe. You have been listening to RBP's Accountancy on Prescription podcast. For any updates, please visit www.rbp.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at RBPCA. The contents of this podcast is for general guidance and informational purposes only and does not constitute any form of advice. The information provided by RBP is of a general nature. Appropriate and tailored advice or independent research should be obtained before making any decisions. RBP does not accept any liability for any loss or damage which is incurred from you acting or not acting as a result of listening to Accountancy on Prescription.